Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Uh, I am grateful to be a part of a church that is not just a ministry, but a family. And uh, there may be a problem that you're facing today that is too big for you, but there is no problem that's too big for the family. If there's something that you need, we're here. If there's something we can do for you, sign us up. If you need some prayer, if you need some love, sign us up. Um, We want to do everything that we can to bless you guys, especially during this season. You know, our church is in a very interesting season, as so many churches are. Um, But I really think that we're coming out of the whole pandemic, COVID, lockdown, quarantine, et cetera, et cetera, so much better than we came into it. Would you guys agree with that? You know, I was today just worshiping with you and thinking to myself, man, I need to capture this with my memory right now because it's not always going to be like this. And I know we're hungry uh, to expand. We believe that everything healthy grows uh, until the Holy Spirit prunes it. How many of you guys know that the reward of fruitfulness is pruning? It's like, just happens, right? Um, just the way of the kingdom. And I was thinking, I was like, man, we're getting ready to expand. We have construction going on in our brand new space over at 901 Delbrook Lane. And the ceilings in that sanctuary are like 60 foot tall. I mean, they are so massive. It's like a cathedral. So I was thinking as I was worshiping here in the front this morning, like, man, take a snapshot. And I know like it's always the thing to be hungry for growth. But man, I just want to revel in what God is doing today, not, you know, put off like, wow, you know, we're going to do something big in the future. No, God is doing something big right now. Like he's doing something big right now in our lives, in our church, in your life, in your family. God is doing some big things. We have to have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking. We have to have eyes to see the works that God is accomplishing because He's doing amazing things in your life. Do you agree? This half of the room agrees. Do you guys agree on this side? Like, God is awesome. He's always good. He's always faithful. He's always consistent. He's always gracious. He's always merciful. He's always on time. He's always blessing. He's always pouring out. He's always encouraging. He's always affirming. I mean, that's that's my God. How about you? God is good. He is batting a thousand in my life. God has never struck out in my life, ever. Not ever once. He's never even been walked on balls. It's just, just grand slams one after the other. Oh, man, he's so good to us. We don't deserve it, but he loves us that much, and I'm thankful for it. How about you, church? Amen. Well, um, we're going to dive into this identity message, and I said I wouldn't make any announcements, but we just announced that there was going to be an encounter night on November 6th, and you're going to have to RSVP for it. So, sorry, we don't have the new building yet, okay? So, as everybody gets out their phones and attempts to RSVP right now, uh, it might be a good time to tell you Dante Bo is going to be here for that. He's come so much, people aren't even excited anymore. They're like... We're like, yeah, Dante's back. Okay. He, he's our brother. He's our family. We're so happy to have him back. He'll be here. Listen, we're also, and this is like, just keep it on the down low. You guys and the thousand people who are going to watch this on YouTube, um, 20,000 people on YouTube, whatever. Um, is that what we're proclaiming t- this morning? Oh, that's how many subscribers we have on YouTube. Hey, what's up, YouTube people? We love you. Um, yay, God. I mean, it's, it's amazing because we started COVID with 200 subscribers on YouTube. No one cared. And then we just decided to start praying and filming. That's it. And look what God has done. We have no social media strategy. We have no marketing experts on the team. We're just simply sharing with you guys what God is doing here at Legacy. So welcome our accidental extended church family. What's up? Um, so Yeah, between you guys, let's keep it, you know, on the DL. Uh, So we're praying Steph Gretz into this encounter night. And uh, 
I'm just putting it out there publicly because we just got to pray that she comes, all right? We were chatting yesterday. She's probably not watching. She She's probably at church, you know. But um, we were texting yesterday, and I was like, you just have to come. And, and she was like, I don't know if I can because we might be in Reading. I said, we're the least dramatic friends that you have. So if you don't come, we don't care. But we want you to. And you can just come another time. But please come. So, Lord, we just clear the, clear the calendar, Lord. <laughs> Steph and Dante in this tiny room with the Holy Ghost. I don't know how it's going to work. But. And baptisms. I'm going to just go ahead and fall out right now. Just, I'm just going to do a preemptive. I'm slain in the spirit. Just, just. <laughs> You're not ready for my humor this morning. Sorry. I mean, I just came excited to go to church. Apologies. I'm just stoked to be in the house of God. Sorry to say, we're in the same room as the living God. The author, the finisher, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the lion and the lamb. Amen. Just God, that's all. NBD, just the Lord, just the creator of the heavens and the earth. Just the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. No big deal. Just Yahweh. You know, just Yahweh. You know, may we never grow tired of the grandeur of God's presence. May we always consistently be impressed by how mind-blowing the grace of Jesus Christ is. May we wake up every day enjoying fresh mercy and with a grateful heart say, Lord, thank you so much for this day. I mean, you guys ever read that book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit? I know some of you guys are writing that book, Good Afternoon, Holy Spirit, because you sleep in half the day, and I get that. But, like, every day, as soon as you wake up, you say, man, fresh mercy belongs to me. And I don't have to do anything to deserve it. It's already been accomplished through Jesus Christ on the cross. I simply can enjoy this gift of abundant life that's already been paid for for me to receive as a free inheritance. So just take that today. Just reach out, grab and say, I got that. I'm going to take that. That belongs to me. That's mine. Deal with it, devil. You couldn't stop it. There's no demon in hell that could prohibit it. My God has done it. He's accomplished it on the cross. And when he said it is finished, he meant it. I'm already preaching this morning. This is just the intro. So let's go. Um, okay, so identity. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Identity. And the title of the message is, This Changes Everything. So if you're writing notes, just write that at the top. This changes everything. How many of you know that when you find God, you find yourself? Better said, when God finds you, you find you. Because how many of you guys know that it was not the Lord that was lost? It was us, right? And discipleship begins with being desired. I want you to think about this, church. You didn't get saved because you got hungry for God. You got saved because Jesus is hungry for you. Like when Jesus walked the shoreline of Galilee and called the brothers, he said, Follow me. He expressed a desire for the disciple long before the disciple expressed the desire for God. So the origin of your journey, the beginning of your discipleship uh, walk is being desired by God himself. Like you're at church today, not because you got up, got excited to come to church. You're at church today because the Holy Spirit personally draw is drawing you to himself it's not to a preacher it's not to a worship team it's not to a brick and mortar building it is to the very spirit of God that he is so hungry so passionate after your heart loves you so much that he went to the cross for you so that he could draw you unto himself on a Sunday morning in October let's not waste the day Amen? Like, we're never going to get October the 11th back. Yeah. 2020, we just get to give God our October 11th and say, God, do whatever it is that you want to do this morning. Yeah. 
You know, I was thinking this week about um, biographies. You guys ever read biographies? Anybody like biographies? I enjoy biographies. I don't get the opportunity to read them enough, but I do really like uh, biographies. And I was thinking this week about my own biography. Have you ever thought about what would happen if you died and somebody wrote a biography about your life? Have you ever thought about that before? Uh, how many of you would like to, to curate your own identity story? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, leave that in, cut that out. But, but that is what a biography is, isn't it? It's like, it's all of the accomplishments of the person that the biography is about. Right? When you read a biography, it's almost as if the person that it features is their own savior, in a sense. Like, they are a saint. They are wonderful. The biography goes on to list all of their amazing accomplishments and all of their incredible contributions. And one of the things that a biography tends to do is overlook sin in the life of the person that it features. I don't know about you, but the last time I read a biography, I was so impressed by the person. I thought to myself, man, if I could just be like this guy, then I would live a pretty significant life. But as believers, we are not supposed to consider creating or curating our own identity story as though we exalt our own biographies. We don't find our identity in our biography. In contrast, we find our identity not in our biography, but in our testimony. There is a big difference in a biography and a testimony. And I don't know the identity story, the narrative that you're sharing with this generation, but I just want you to know that it's a mistake to share about you from the standpoint of your biography. What we want to do is share about us and our identity and where we come from and who we are, not from our biography, not from our contributions, not from the significance that we have in this life, not from the dis difference that we make, not even from the good things that we do. We share our identity story, who we are and how we're defined, not by that, but by our testimonies. You, if you read my biography, you would only get my highlights. You wouldn't get all my lowlights, and you certainly wouldn't hear about my sin. But if you were to read my testimony, you would get the ups and the downs, the sideways, the crazy, and guess who would be the hero of the story? It would not be me. And when we go to identify ourselves and define ourselves on the basis of everything we've done, we build our identity in the wrong way. We must build our identities not from the perspective of a biography, but from the perspective of a testimony. Because we, Christian peoples, cannot be confused about who the hero of our story is. We can't be confused. I am not the hero of my own story. I am not the most substantial contributor to my life's purpose. That spot is reserved for one person and one person only, which is Jesus. A testimony is all about Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Church is all about Jesus. Your life really summed up should be all about Jesus. Your career is all about Jesus. Your ministry is all about Jesus. Your job in this season is all about Jesus. Your time is all about Jesus. Your money is all about Jesus. Your relationships is all about Jesus. Amen? And that's the essence of a testimony. It is also the essence of our identity. A testimony is all about Jesus' life, not our life, like a biography. A testimony is all about Jesus' accomplishments, not my accomplishments, like my biography. Jesus is always the hero of the story. And your identity, as we talk from this topic today of this changes everything, your identity begins in the man Christ Jesus. Your identity starts in the person of God wrapped up in flesh whose name is Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's the origin story of you. 
And if you look for any other foundation to build you upon, it will be the equivalent of building your house on the sand. Your identity will be shaky. Your identity will come and go. Your identity will be like a roller coaster, up and down with your feelings or whatever your experience is on that particular day. But when you build your identity, not on your biography, but on your testimony, when you build your identity on Jesus, you are safe. When you build your identity on Jesus, you are secure, you are stable, you are immovable, you are unshakable. It doesn't matter what hell does to try and come against you. You are well able to stand because you ain't writing a biography. You're not writing a biography. You are not worried about looking weak because you know that the Bible says that in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. You're not worried about messing up and living in fear of making a a small mistake. You understand that his grace is sufficient for you. This is the essence of you. Look at your neighbor say he's talking about you. It's your testimony. Can I just encourage you today? Forsake your desire to be the hero of your own story. I know, I know, I mean, we're dreaming, right? We're big dreamers. We want to accomplish great things. We want to do great things. Yes, we, I want you to want to do that. But not simply because you're trying to impress anybody, but simply because you're trying to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let God live his life through you in the way that he desires on the basis of how he has designed you. This really takes the, the burden off, doesn't it? But isn't that the good news? That we don't have to live under the oppressive weight of being the most unique person on planet Earth. You know what I mean? We don't have to live under that. We can live feeling, knowing that we are both loved, known, accepted, and affirmed by the one that created every human being on planet Earth. This is why it changes everything. Because once you get this, all of your desire to strive and to perform and to prove that you should be valued or designated as worthy of some sort of accolade, all of that gets broken, falls to the ground, and you can live knowing that you've already been accepted by a good father. You live with peace because you know that you're building a testimony on the Prince of Peace. You live with joy because you're co-laboring with the man that was anointed with the oil of joy far above his brethren. I don't know if you guys are getting as excited as I am simply talking about Jesus. But you can walk in power because you are tethered to the man. When the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his robe and power flowed out of his body and healed her completely. There's just so much grace. I mean, you literally have the man that pardoned the prostitute and turned away the religious devils that were trying to stone her living on the inside of you. So I'm just not sure how it is that we're so consistently afraid of making a mistake so big that God somehow is going to turn his back on us. I thank God that the Lord never says over me in prayer, that was the last time. (laughs) Enough is enough. I can't deal with you anymore. I'm so sick of your flesh. I am in Christ Jesus. This is where your identity begins. It begins in your testimony with the man, Christ Jesus. I want you to say this with me. I am in Christ. Now, from now on, as you describe yourself as a Christian to the world, I want you to change how you frame that up a little bit. Did you know that the word Christian is featured in the Bible three times? It only talks about being Christian three times. But all throughout the New Testament, it tells us over and over again that we are in Christ. Not just Christians, but that we are in Christ 216 times. 
So we should really reframe how we think about our life uh, lived out in Jesus. We're not just Christian by religion. We are literally, and I'm not just using that how millennials use it. Like I'm saying like we are literally in Christ Jesus. Like that's where you live. Like that's your permanent address, like forever. You live, your identity is found, you as a person are defined by your life, encapsulated, covered, protected, shielded, surrounded, completely brought into the very person of Christ Jesus. That is where your identity starts. Somebody say, I am in Christ. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, we got a verse of scripture. It says, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ, everybody say in Christ, all will be made alive. Now, how many of you guys know that Psalms teaches us that we were born into sin, we were shaping in iniquity, right? Like David writes about that, and there's some debate on what he means. But I don't think anybody disagrees about the fact that we have been born into a world of sin. There is nothing that you can do about that. None of you had control over the world that you were born into. If you agree with that, say, I agree. Right? So there's nothing you can do. There's no power you have about being born into Adam. We know Adam screwed up. You know, he ate the fruit. He sinned. He disobeyed God. He got pushed out of the garden, right? And so every single human being born after our first dad, Adam, they were born with a condition. That condition is called sin. They're born into sin. They're, they're in Adam. They were, they were from Adam's generational line. You guys get this, right? This happens, right? Uh, over and over. It's a, it's a new, it's a generational line that's, that's coming down. And that's exactly what uh, Paul is teaching us here in Corinthians, that there is a new creation in Christ, that when we are born again, we are born into a new generational line. We're not born into the generation of Adam or the heritage of Adam that has a proclivity to sin and live out fleshly desires, but we are actually born into Christ that has a proclivity to holiness and to move toward holy activities. So you are a new creation. If any man is in Christ, everybody say in Christ, he is a new creation. So that means that you are born of a different spirit and it is not the spirit of death. Are we going too deep on the Sunday morning? Because I'm just like going for it. But it is a spirit of life. You are no longer dead in your trespasses. You are no longer dead in your sin. You're no longer dead in your shame or your guilt. You're no longer dead in your condemnation. You now, as a Christian per- person, your identity is to live life fully alive. Not in your own strength, but in the man Christ Jesus. Because last I checked, the stone was rolled away three days after he was crucified. And he is alive. And he lives in you and you live in him. Therefore, you are alive. Amen. And so Paul refers to Jesus uh, several times as the last Adam. Why is that? Because he put to death that generational line and that body of sin. He finished it. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, a few verses later, says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Now, this is the genealogy that you are from. This is the DNA that you have running through your body. There is a life-giving spirit. It is no longer the spirit of death, but it is the spirit of life. We know that Adam disobeyed. He ate the fruit and sin entered the world. But then Jesus comes 2,000 years ago, dies for you on the cross. He restores and remedies everything that Adam destructively began. You're a new creation. You're a new lineage. You're a new line. And it's not death. It is life. So what I want to do is I want to contrast. I almost made a chart, but I'm just going to do it verbally, okay? Because I didn't want to put that burden on grace. I was like, it's going to be hard to do maybe and... So listen, if you can imagine two categories, here's the first Adam, right, which is Adam. And then the second category is the last Adam, which is Jesus. Now, everybody in the world gets their identity from one or the other dad. There's no gray area. No one has a choice. You're born into this world. The choice that you have is to accept the sacrifice that Jesus 
gave on the cross, right? So your identity is coming from either Adam, which is the first Adam, or your identity is coming from Christ, which is the last Adam. So let me contrast the two. So the first Adam, Adam, he is the source of idolatry, which we talked about last week, which is the downfall of humanity. The last Adam, Jesus, he heals idolatry and he completely redeems all of humanity. The first Adam turns away from the Father in a garden, and the last Adam turns towards the Father in a garden. The, the first Adam was naked and he was ashamed. You guys remember that when he recognized that he sinned? The last Adam was naked and bore our shame. The first Adam, his sin brought us thorns. The last Adam wore a crown of thorns. The first Adam substituted himself for God. The last Adam substituted himself for sinners. The first Adam sinned at a tree. The last Adam bore our sin on a tree. The first Adam died as a sinner. The last Adam died for sinners. The first Adam suffered from condemnation, but the last Adam brought us salvation. The first Adam, through him, we received this sin nature, right? Adam messed up, so we all get this sin nature. But then when we receive the last Adam, who is Jesus, through him, we receive a new nature. In the first Adam, in him, what do we find? Cursings. In the last Adam, Jesus, what do we find? Blessings. In the first Adam, we find wrath and we find death. And in the last Adam, through Jesus, we find love and we find life. This category right here. This is where all of your identity comes from. So any of this, you can just reject it today and you can say, no, no, that guy died on the cross 2,000 years ago in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. See, we have to understand something is that the blood of Jesus took care of your sin, but the cross of Jesus took care of you. Let me try that again. Um, you were born as a sinner, right? That lineage of, of, of the first Adam, a sinner, right? So we have no problem running on the revelation that the blood of Jesus has covered your sin, right? We're all thankful for that. We're like, yay, my sins have been washed away. Hallelujah, amen. But then we think that the way in which we must live is constantly being tempted and falling into sin because that's just who we are and the type of person that I am. No, no, that is not true. The blood of Jesus has covered your sin, but the cross of Jesus has dealt with you, your flesh, the person that you used to be, that you no longer are, and gave you, traded the nature of death and hell and the grave and sin and gave you a brand new nature and a brand new life-giving spirit. This is what Jesus has done for you. He didn't just cover your sins once upon a time. Like, he literally dealt with you so that you have a completely different nature. Wow. We, have to, we have to receive this revelation, church, or else we'll live our lives according to the modern identity. We'll go up and down and just think that we're like everybody else on planet Earth. No, 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 no. I got a different daddy. I come from a different lineage. I got a different DNA moving through my body. That is the blood of Jesus. Amen? I have a different legacy. Amen. It's on brand. Every single human being has their identity in one of the two Adams. And when I say that we are in Christ, it is so important to understand that being in Christ truly summarizes and is the essence of our identity. You are in Christ. Now, uh, there are different ways that you can go about building an identity. Now, the absolute worst possible place to begin constructing your identity is in you. So if you're like, man, I'm going to start building an identity. Let me just tell you right now. The absolute worst place. I'm, I'm, it's like, I, I got to get this through, okay? The absolute worst place to begin building your identity is in you. Wow. The absolute best place 
to build an identity is in Christ because that's where the Bible begins. If you read through the New Testament and you start to construct an identity, you're going to recognize real fast the foundation of who I am is in Jesus. In Jesus. John 15 and 5 said this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me. Everybody say in me. And I in him. Everybody say in me. Amen. Uh, he bears much fruit. But what's that last part? But apart from me, somebody needs to read that out loud. You can do a lot of things. Nothing, not a zilch, nothing at all. As a believer, when we trade in that old nature, you know, when we go down in that watery grave of baptism, we don't just come up a wet sinner. You come up a new creation, which is why Jesus uses the language to be born again. And some of you guys may you need to get baptized again. I mean, I don't have any theology for that, like getting baptized twice. I've been baptized multiple times. But I just think that some of us as Christians, we need to get born again again. And the reason I say that is because there was never a time in the Gospels when Jesus addressed a sinner and told them that they needed to be born again. He only said that to religious people. I'm just saying, maybe some of us as believers have embraced the blood of Jesus for our sin, but we've yet to embrace the cross of Jesus for our identity. And we just need to get born again and recognize, look, you're not who you used to be. (laughs) I'm free. I am a son. I am in Christ. I am now a saint. I don't have a tendency to sin. I have a tendency to righteousness. But the modern identity would tell us different. Oh, you're going to slip up. You're going to fall. You're going to sin. You're going to lose it. You'll never be able to make it. You do whatever feels good to you because that's the only way you're going to have a life-giving, enjoyable time on this earth. No! The Bible preaches the exact opposite. It said, take upon this identity, a gospel identity, and be found in Christ. A life-giving spirit. Amen? And because you are in Christ, let me give you just... Let me just give you one big takeaway today. Uh, Because you are in Christ, you are a saint, all right? You are a saint. Uh, I want you to read through the New Testament as some homework, you know, just the whole thing this week. And um, I just want you to look for all the times that God says, you are a nasty sinner. I want you to look for all of those places. You are just a rotten, nasty, filthy, dirty, oh my goodness, you're just so gross. Ew. You're going to have a hard time finding those passages. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, you're going to have a hard time. You know why? Because when somebody is in Christ, the Bible has a lot to say about those people, those saints. You're holy. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. There's all these wonderful things. There's all these great things. And I know that sometimes people like get real like squirrely and squirmy in their seat whenever a preacher starts telling you how great you are. You're like, oh, hold on just a second. I came here to get beat up. Because literally that's how we gauge how good a sermon is these days. It's like how convicting it is. Can I tell you right now, I could care less how convicted you get. You know what I care about? How transformed you get. The goal of these messages is not for you to walk out and say, man, preacher, you really stepped on my toes today. I don't know when the last time me stepping on your toes led you to any real transformation. 
It just doesn't. You know what leads to transformation? Your testimony that you are in Christ Jesus, that he moves upon your heart and brings you increased revelation about what he's accomplished on the cross so that you could put away every deed of the flesh and live your life more into the image of God's son in Christ Jesus as the righteousness of Christ. Now, I'm going to get there in a minute for those of you guys who are like, oh, you're, there you go. You're giving people permission to sin. I'm going to get to you in a second. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, who makes apostles? God does. Yeah. Amen. Amen. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in. Do you guys see that? Uh, you know, another, another homework, just write it down. First 14 verses of Ephesians. I want you to count how many times Paul says, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Christ. Just over and over and over and over. Now I want you to go home as well. There's a lot of homework this week. And read about Ephesus. Not necessarily the ideal picturesque church that we might want to model today. There were very, very sinful people who were a part of that congregation. And when Paul lifts his pen to write a letter to the church at Ephesus, he does not say, Dear scoundrels of Ephesus, all you terrible people that are constantly living in sin and doing really, really bad things with all of your drunkenness and all of your idolatry and all of your worship of statues and all that crazy mess that you're doing over there, Nope. To the saints. Isn't that interesting? That though we sin and we stumble and we make mistakes, yes, we do. Don't get conflicted or confused about that. We are no longer sin even when we do sin. You may sin, but you are not sin. You are in Christ Jesus. Paul says that we are saints. Even the sinful church members, he said, you are saints. And I don't know if you've ever done this research before. I happen to do it this week. In Catholicism, you can actually become a saint. And I, you know, I'm not cracking on the Catholic church or anything, but you can. But you know what you have to do before you become a saint? Number one is you have to die. All right? Here's the good news. You're already dead. Amen. Hallelujah. This is great. This is the way Heidi used to baptize people in Mozambique. It was so, like, morbid. She'd grab people, put them in the Indian Ocean and say, uh, are you ready to die? <laughs> I was like, I just thought you did Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you know? Are you ready to die? Um, but it's so true because you're letting go of all of the old stuff and you're embracing everything that Jesus has for you, right? That means you don't own your life anymore. We sing these songs, don't we, church? Everything for you. And the Lord's like, move in this direction. That's not you, Lord. I rebuke the enemy. Serve. That has to be Satan. Give. Tithe. I'm in warfare. Somebody needs to pray for me. No. Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Amen. So in Catholicism, there is 10 steps, and they take a while. And actually, if you were to calculate how much it costs to become a saint, the whole process, because it's a long process and it involves a lot of people, somebody actually calculated this and estimated that it would cost to create a saint a million bucks. Like that's that the process is lengthy. It takes a long time. It's very expensive. Uh, but here's the great news for those of you guys who are in Christ. To become a saint, it only takes one step, and it is completely free. Simply be in Christ Jesus, and Paul calls you a saint. I declare that you're a saint. God says that you're a saint, and it's not because you're spectacular. It's not because you never mess up. It's not because um, you, you never do anything wrong. No, wrong. no, it's because you are in Christ Jesus. God's saints, according to the New Testament, are normal people who love Jesus. That's it. 
no prophetic pedigree, no great impartation. They are normal people who love Jesus, right? And you are a saint. And I know everybody's like, there's no way I can be a saint. I'm totally a sinner. I'm absolutely disgusting. It doesn't mean that you're never going to sin. A Christian is a saint in their identity. They do sin, but only as, as an occasional activity. Does that make sense? You sin not, not because you are a sinner. It's an occasional activity. You are a saint in your identity. Sin is no longer your identity. You may sin, but you are not sin. Sin may explain some of your activity, but it's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. Now you have grace to change your activity. Let me say that last line again. Your identity is in Christ and now you have grace to change your activity. You don't have to li live like you've always lived. You know why? Because you're in Christ, and there's an abundance of grace breaking forth for you to live holy as he is holy. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, oh, okay, so I can do whatever I want then. No, 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 no. While we're saints, we do sin, and when we do, a saint is both remorseful and repentant. Because the Bible teaches us two things about the Holy Spirit very, very clearly. We don't want to quench the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And something that a saint is very aware of is when they have done one or the other. When they know what to do and they don't do it, the Bible literally says that that is sin. And when you, are, when you sin, you say, oh my goodness, I feel conviction. What is conviction? It is the presence of the Holy Spirit moving upon your spirit to say something along these lines. You're way too awesome to be acting like that. Not, oh my gosh, I've screwed up. I am terrible. I am nasty. I'm going to be thrown out of the church. No, that is religion. No, no, I've sinned, I've messed up, I've screwed up. Yes, I'm going to a good father with an abundance of grace who is so ready to receive me today and tell me who I really am. So as saints, yes, we're, there will be times where we mess up. There will be times where we will sin. Uh, Spurgeon actually said this, few men would dare to read their own autobiography. If all their deeds were recorded in it, few can look back upon their entire career without a blush. Now, Spurgeon said, without a blush. I say, without vomiting in my mouth. Because <laughs> if I were to go back and look at my life as though it should be in a biography, I'd say, absolutely understand now what Paul said whenever he goes, I am the chief sinner. When Paul said he was the chief sinner, I felt that. I'm like, yeah, I hear you, homie. I know what you mean. And yet this is the guy who's introducing himself to the church at Ephesus by saying, I am an apostle by the will of God. And then we see him say, I am the chief sinner. I mean, I just, I mess up. I do things bad. I do things wrong. But as we mature, we don't become more flippant about sin. We actually recognize sin as being more serious. We see it more clearly and we grieve it more deeply. So getting mature as a saint is not dismissing sin and saying, oh, it's really no big deal. No, getting mature as a saint is actually being more serious about sin, grieving it more deeply and more quickly understanding, man, this grieves the Holy Spirit. This quenches the Spirit over my life. I'm not only remorseful, but I'm also repentant. I need to get right before the Lord because I think I just hurt my dad's heart. This is how a saint functions. It does, they don't beat themselves up. No matter our age, though, no matter how mature we become, we must remember to allow conviction to become repentance so that repentance may become forgiveness and that forgiveness may become complete restoration and that complete restoration may become joy. Though weeping may endure for the night, I know that joy comes in the morning. It's God's heart to restore you, to redeem you, to completely heal you. Saints may sin, but they don't stay stuck in their sin. Wow. Yeah. 
Now, here's the difference in conviction and condemnation, because I know you guys were thinking, man, sometimes I think it's conviction, but then it's condemnation, and I feel terrible about myself, and then sometimes, you know, it's condemnation, but I'm not sure if it's conviction. I don't really know what's going on here, and my identity has taken a hit because I've made a mistake. There is forgiveness, and there is freedom in the cross of Jesus Christ for you today. This is the difference in conviction and condemnation. So could we do another visual chart? Conviction, condemnation. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from Satan. Conviction leads you to life. Condemnation leads you to despair. Conviction ends in joy. Condemnation ends in sorrow. Conviction makes you want to change. Condemnation makes you believe that you can never change. Conviction leads to new identity in Christ Jesus, but condemnation leads to old identity in sin. Conviction brings a specific awareness of your sin. Condemnation brings a vague uncertainty about your sin. I don't really know what it is specifically that I did wrong. I just know I'm terrible and I'm unworthy to show my face in church and I'm no longer able to pray because I'm so embarrassed because I I couldn't show myself. I've already messed up. I've already screwed up. I might as well just fall headlong into this new lifestyle that I've screwed up and messed up and, and now embrace. This is my, just forget it. I can't even tell my spiritual. No, see, that's condemnation. That's condemnation. That's not conviction. Conviction looks to Jesus. Condemnation looks to self. Conviction is a blessing. Condemnation is a burden. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are, here it is again, in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, condemnation is no longer your portion. Condemnation is not your prize. Condemnation is not your inheritance. Condemnation has been dealt with on the cross of Calvary. The old man is dead. The old Adamic nature is dead. Listen, God never asked us to resuscitate the old man. That's called a zombie. And there's plenty of people walking around as zombies. They have a Christian confession, but they're living out of their old nature. They realize and they have revelation that the blood of Jesus has taken care of their mistakes. But they have not recognized that the cross of Calvary has taken care of them. So they think this is just the way it's supposed to be. I work really hard to try and live for God, but I'm a constant screw-up because that's just me. That's not you anymore. And you have to get this revelation because when you get this revelation, a a change in your thinking will lead to a change in your living. Right thinking leads to right living. We need the revelation. I'm telling you, any area of great breakthrough, the enemy works severely hard to shroud in confusion. You guys getting this? Any area of great breakthrough... The enemy works really hard to shroud in confusion. Doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. Just call yourself, just be a Christian, just be a religious person, just have a good creed or a confessional, but don't actually discover your true identity. Don't actually go down to the foundation of who God has made you to be in Christ Jesus. Don't do that because the enemy knows when you do that, you become hell's worst nightmare. Because hell cannot shake people who know that their identity is rooted in heaven. We're unshakable, like Psalm 15 says. You are a powerful saint. You are a powerful saint. You are a powerful saint. Everybody say, I am a powerful saint. Listen, you're going to be tempted to sin. Because... Everybody is tempted to sin. Even Jesus was tempted to sin. But you have to remember that you are in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus is in you. Therefore, you are not obligated to sinfully respond to temptation. 
There's a difference between temptation and sin. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. The enemy wants you to believe that temptation is sin. No. It, the Bible is very clear. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted. Jesus himself was tempted and yet he was without sin. He was without spot. He was without blemish, which, why, which is why he could be that lamb that was slain that takes away the sins of the world. There was no sin in him. Although he was tempted, the enemy says, oh, you got tempted right there? You sinned. You messed up. You're a nasty, dirty, terrible sinner because you got tempted. No, no. Temptation is different than sin. Two different things entirely. Jesus was tempted, never sinned. To be tempted is to be presented with an opportunity to either sin or worship God. It all depends on your response. Uh, to be tempted is either to sin against God or to worship God. We need to stop considering our temptation as though it, it's already, oh, it's finished. I've, I got to, it's done. I'm just going to have to sin now. The temptation is too great. No, 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 no. It's not to sin against, it's to worship God. We turn moments of our temptation into moments of breakthrough. When we turn around, the enemy say, no, no, no. Oh, thank you for reminding me of where I sit. Thank you for reminding me that I am in Christ Jesus. Thank you for reminding me that I am a saint. And there is nothing in me, because Jesus is in me, that wants to do that. Because that's going to distance me from my dad's heart. And I know where life is. I know where the fount of life is. I know where my salvation is. I know where goodness comes from, and it's not that. So thank you, temptation, for reminding me that I don't have to live that way anymore. When you're tempted to sin, this is what I want you to remember today, because we're all going to be tempted today. I'm going to be tempted just like you are. I'm going to drive home. Somebody's going to cut me off on 24, and I am going to want to call them a name. But I'm not. I'm, I'm going to, instead of saying that they're stupid, I'm going to bless them with wisdom. <laughs> this is what I do in traffic now. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you in Jesus' mighty name. I bless you with wisdom. Hallelujah. We're all going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. I'm going to be tempted. And let's remember, temptation is simply a reminder that I am a saint. And I am anointed to live life in a different way. What you do flows out of who you are. You can say no to sin. Somebody, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you can say no to sin. Here, here is your permission slip, permission granted. You are now allowed after today, you are allowed to say no to sin. Just because it knocks at your door doesn't mean you have to let it in. Just because it's ringing the doorbell over and over. No. I didn't order any sin. Did not Amazon one-click that? Goodbye blocked from my DMs. Get out of here. Jezzy. Amen. <laughs> Be healed. Be delivered. Right? The blood of Jesus takes care of your salvation. The cross of Jesus takes care of your deliverance. You're free. <laughs> you're a new creation. You're a new person. You're a saint. You're holy. You're mighty. You're powerful. You're not a sinner defined by your mistakes. You're in Christ defined by his victory. And that's why you have everything that you need to live victorious because Jesus has already won. I don't know if you guys are feeling like a new creation today. But some of us needed to be notified that you, in fact, are a new creation. The way in which you are called to live is completely different 
then the way in which the modern identity tells you you must live, even as a Christian people. We're sons. We're daughters. We're saints. Saints. If you are a saint in here and you know it, I just want to invite you to stand up. And if you're not feeling it and you're like, I don't know actually if I'm a saint or not, here is the good news. The truth triumphs over your feelings. Let let me say this again, okay? Because this is not about condemnation. The truth triumphs over your feelings. You know why? Because the truth is greater than the facts. Well, the facts say, no, no, no. Well, the truth says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that I am in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus who has given you a life-giving spirit. This is who you are, and this is important for us to understand because this is the truth of God. I don't know where the Holy Spirit is going to lead us after this message, but there is something I sense today. Just talking about the cross, I'm like, man, you know, I think that we might need to dive into this a little bit deeper and really talk about who we are, who we are, how our identity is founded 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Did you know that it is a historic fact that you were co-crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago? If you were to go back 2,000 years ago and look at the death certificate, there would be your name. There's the death certificate of Jesus. Oh, in Christ, there's me, Todd. I died on that day. How many of you guys believe that two thieves were crucified alongside Jesus? You guys believe that? Your death was more intimate than theirs. Because you were literally in Christ Jesus whenever he said on the cross, it's finished. Your death is more of a historic fact than the two thieves that died alongside of him. Because you didn't die alongside Jesus. You literally died in Jesus. (laughs) You literally died in Jesus. He said, took all of your sin took all of your shame, took all of your guilt, took all of your terribleness, took all of your temptation, took your pornography addiction, took your pill addiction, took your heroin addiction, took your addiction to technology, took your obsession with your weight, took all of that stuff that destroys your inner thinking, who you are, took all that stuff. He said, it's finished. Oh, it just took it. He said, it's done. All that stuff is done. It's finished. It's over. It's done. We we getting too real at the end here? How many of you guys are reminded of who you are today? How many of you guys know who you are in Christ Jesus? How many of you guys know that you are a powerful saint? How many of you guys feel refreshed in your heart? See, that's what truth does. Truth is refreshing. It refreshes you. You you listen, you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot who I was this week. But now that I've been reminded, Satan, I rebuke you. (laughs) And that's probably where we should finish today. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And we're thankful that you're moving upon every single heart in this room. If you're in this room today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are far from God and you need to take a moment today and repent of your sins and come home to Him and become one in Christ Jesus. I just want to ask you, if you don't mind, just to lift your hand very quickly because I want to create some space here for some repentance. I want to create some space here for for some salvations. If that's you, will you lift your hand really quickly? Awesome, I see you. Anybody else? Awesome, I see you. Anybody else? 
This is the life that Jesus paid for on the cross. Don't let your moment pass by. Remember what I said about October 11th. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of salvation. Awesome. I see you guys. Anybody else? You just want to make today that day you come home? Amazing. Awesome. Well, let's pray with those who have lifted their hands. We pray, Jesus, we call upon your name because we know what you said. Anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus and believes in their heart that you died and resurrected shall be saved. Today, I am saved. Right now, I am saved. Right now, I am delivered. Right now, I have a new nature. Right now, I have a new mind. Right now, I have a new tendency. And that's to be holy. Like my dad. <laughs> if you prayed that prayer today, here's what I know. That you have been set free and saved by the Son, Christ Jesus. There is only one name under heaven given to humanity whereby we can be saved and that is Jesus and Jesus only. So I want to say welcome to the family, welcome to the kingdom. Those of you guys who just prayed that prayer today. For the rest of us, I pray in Jesus' name that we would walk in the light of revelation. That we would walk in the light of revelation of who it is that you declare that we are. In Jesus' name, we thank you for being good to us today. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.